Welcome, race fans. This is the Debris and Turn 3 Fancast. My name is Matt. My name is Dan. And we are back with another episode to bring you our grandstanders view of all things NASCAR action. And we are coming to you from Brooklyn, New York City. What's up, Dan? What's up, Matt? I'm feeling good. <laughs> Me too. We're trying something new here today. We're working with the acoustics in the studio and we're sitting side by side. This is like when I worked at the restaurant and two people I wouldn't think would come and sit down next to each other to have dinner. So I feel yeah. like we're kind of, it's like that. Yeah. But before we were sitting across from each other, so it should be less weird. But somehow it seems more weird. And I'm looking over at you being like, hey, Dan, we got a show to do today about NASCAR and all the action from Dover International. Yeah. Which it was a pretty cool weekend. And it was good. I liked the racing action. We had an epic finish and two series. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, um, but it is October now. It's still it pretty is. awesome in New York City. It was 80-something degrees today. Feels like summer in October, man. It's weird. It's like that Dillinger 4, Dillinger 4 song, Summer in October. Yeah. It's Rocktober, dude. <laughs> we got our Kelso beers. <laughs> We're representing some Brooklyn brews. Yep. And, uh, well, let's get into it, man, because October here, it's the getting towards the end of the racing season. Uh, but, man, hockey's back this week. We yeah. got the Ranger game on. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're not Ranger <laughs> yeah. fans. The Ranger game is on, but hockey is on, so we're so we're watching it. I'm already screaming at the TV because the yeah. Rangers came back, yeah. tied the game, being down two goals. Yeah. I watch, you know, most sports, real racing this year has really taken off and I've watched most of uh, uh you know, most of this year, sadly, you know, the Mets season is finally over. Thank God. <laughs> finally <laughs> over. I didn't even watch Dude, I, it got really bad at the end, and, you know, and unfortunately for Mets fans in New York, the Yankees are having a pretty magical season right now. Yep, with the, won the, the wild card game, like, and now they're in the NLDS. So And feeling confident, but hockey, I don't know what it is, game number one, game no, it's, it's game number one for the Rangers here, and I'm yelling at the TV already, it just comes yeah. out of me, it's just, yep. hockey's an intense sport. Yep. So Islanders start their season tomorrow against... In Buffalo. In Buffalo. the Sabres. And then they'll be back home. No, I'm no, mistaken. They, they're Saturday. away. They're home against the Sabres on Saturday yeah. for their home opener. But they're in Columbus against the Blue Jackets on Thursday night. Yeah. I'm fairly certain about that. Dan's going to the, uh, the reference section here. <laughs> He's pulling out the card catalog. Subject. You are right. I am right. See? Yeah, I'm ready. Dude. I'm ready for the Islanders season. Okay, we don't know how much longer we have the Islanders in Brooklyn. Just be able to walk. You walk to Islander games from here, Dan. I do. It's like a fifteen-minute walk, and Some, it's awesome. And sometimes you walk back with an entire pie of pizza from Artichoke Pizza. <laughs> and sometimes, when I get home, the box is half open, but yet the pizza is still intact somehow. That was a crazy night. Was that uh, the home opener? The, the Brooklyn home opener, That right? was the Brooklyn home opener. And then that was two years ago. And so the, Mets, the were Mets were in the playing playoffs. the Dodgers. They yeah. had an awesome game. Murphy hit one of the home runs. Yeah. That was and an awesome night. Winning. Yeah. But we never left the bar. Yeah. <laughs> and you were supposed to rendezvous with your <laughs> wife <laughs> or soon to be wife, your fiance at the time, and yeah. us, right, for pizza or something. And yeah, she went home. Jesse went across the street to get a case of beer. And I just walked home with this pizza. 
Yeah, by the time I got onto my block, I was just like, I was running full speed to get home. <laughs> yeah, I don't, that was a... That's a classic, man. And classic that's a, Brooklyn I, night. They, I only just played that preseason game at the Coliseum, and it looked awesome. And, I, I mean, I love the Islands at the Coliseum, but I also love them being right here. It's so awesome. Yeah, unfortunately, right I think they're going to be out of Brooklyn in the next year or two, and hopefully this arena gets built in... Uh, Belmont. That's what I'm hoping. It's either that. I don't see it happen in City Field. It just seems to keep saying that it's just too much red tape and things to make it happen there. It appears that they won't be going back to the Coliseum, even though that is the home of the New York Islanders. It is, but they didn't do anything to the building. Like, you know the old expression of putting lipstick on a pig? That's basically what they did to the Coliseum. Mm. I get it. Listen, that's the home of the Islanders. At this point, I was all in favor of them coming to Brooklyn, really, selfishly, because I'm here. And also, I that, that, that some people, uh, free agents in the league, didn't maybe want to come to the play for the Islanders because of where we uh playing out on the island in the suburbs. Yeah. You know, amongst all the moms and everybody and minivans and trying to get out. And like, you want to get out after the game and you're playing for the New York Rangers, getting out of the garden and you're heading down to the club, you're getting a car. Yeah. Come pick you up. And, and So I thought maybe that might have the appeal for some of these young players that are trying to sign contracts. I don't know. They did get a big signing, but even still, they still practice on the island, and it's like they never really left. They just commute right. to Brooklyn like for their games. between two worlds. And we're already four weeks into the football season, and the Jets have twice as many wins as the Giants. How about that? I, who would have thunk it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the Jets are actually ahead of the Patriots in the standings right now. But they haven't played any divisional teams, so with all the tiebreakers and stuff. So. A lot still can happen in the football season, although I'm not looking for too many great things to happen from the Giants squad this year. One game at a time. Uh, They'll turn it around. I think they'll find a, a little something and win a few games. Whether they make the playoffs, who's to say right now? So, a lot of things changing as some seasons come to an end and other uh, sports seasons start. What season doesn't want to end, though, is summer here in New York, as we mentioned before. And we said last week, it's still just beautiful weather here. We're truly blessed for having uh, a great season. Uh, but it's, it's at the same time, you have to remember that there's lots of people, uh, whether it be on the Gulf Coast or Puerto Rico, and now the terrible tragedy in Las Vegas that you know, all things are perspective. You know, we're having a great time here in the summertime uh, that doesn't want to end, but you know, it's not the same for everyone all over. Yeah. So, with that said, our fantasy league at Fulbright uh, Fox Sports Fantasy. Exciting week. Was it? Eventful weekend in fantasy. Yeah, well, just, just jumping right into it. Dan, you missed your picks. What the heck? Well, I was recording. Okay, explain yourself. Got to explain. There's always a story. <laughs> There's always a story always to why you missed your picks. <laughs> and I love these stories. But I have a good one because my band was recording this weekend. So I was in the studio laying down some drum tracks on Saturday and Sunday. And, you know, by the time 3 o'clock or whatever time the race, you know, it, it was starting, I just so happened to pick up my phone, like, in between takes, and I saw the time. I was like... You were like, yeah. Shit. And it was literally, I picked it up a minute 
as like a minute after the race started, and I still like tried to scramble to get my picks in, but it wouldn't let me do it. Well, the funny thing about it is, you text me, and I started watching the race, and I'm like, wait a minute, I haven't heard from Dan. Yeah. And I went, I looked at my phone, and I saw your text <laughs> where you you gave me your waiver rounder picks, and then you were like, I didn't get my Fox picks in, <laughs> and I was like, I just thought about it, and I looked over, and I yeah. saw your text, and I, you know, like I told you, I partly blame myself. Because typically on Sunday I'm hanging out, yeah. and we since I moved into this new apartment, I've got a bit of a Sunday tradition. Order Anthony and Sons Panini Shop, one of those Manhattan soda specials. Mm. Mm, you, you're right, and uh, maybe a, a little a flapjack thing from them, <laughs> and uh, maybe a little a panini or something for them to race. They got to make this great mozzarella like caprese uh, sandwich. Ah, yeah, it's great. So uh, I'll I'll usually get that and usually hurting from Saturday. It's been the thing. This you know it's becoming a trend. Oh, but all yeah. right, we'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> but I feel it partly blame myself because usually I send you guys out a text being, "Hey, uh, what about your picks for today?" And I didn't yeah. do that. Yeah, I needed my weekly reminder. Yeah, so that's kind of I my I should fault. just set a reminder on my phone. I don't know why I don't do that. Well, maybe the commissioner should send out a league email or something to remind everybody to put their picks in. Yeah. We got a couple of DNSs lately mm-hmm. on the league also. Yeah, because I was doing good, and now I'm just like slowly falling back. I think I don't even know where I am. Well, one on DNS this. could really hurt, unless you're Brian. Yeah. Who... Misses a week, still on top, comes back the next week and yeah. finishes second to me, however, yeah. this past weekend at Dover. Yeah. I don't know how he does this. Yeah, I'm I'm down to tenth in Yeah, you But can... you know what? I've always, I've been kinda like staying in that like eighth to twelfth like all season long, so whatever. But you did have a good wave arounders weekend, you won. I did. So you and I mean Everyone kind of mailed this one in, however, but you stole the playoff point from it with your picks. I forget who you took, but I know my Ross Chastain pick did not work out. (laughs) (laughs) He was down laps fairly early. But you have to take that car at some point, and the number 15 car has actually completed more laps than some of those other wave arounders. And certainly, the worst car in our entire pool of drivers is the 32 of Jeffrey Earnhardt. Yeah. That car does terribly every 33. single week. And 33 car, right? 32 is Matt Benedetto. Yeah. So the 33 car of Jeffrey Earnhardt. And then he wrecked this weekend in the first stage of the race. Yeah. That kind of shook things up. Yeah. And that was like, was that towards the end of the stage or no it was like in the middle because they were it doing green flag pit stops right. right it was during the green flag cycle which what what made stage racing somewhat tolerable at dover because you had a green flag stop during the run yeah yeah some of these tracks where where the stage length is basically the length of a fuel, a run. fuel run right you know it just doesn't do anything for the racing. So this was actually nice having green flag stops in all three stages. So let's talk about those predictions that we made last week about which drivers we thought would be eliminated after Dover. Okay. I think we did pretty good. Well, and I say, I think, and I know because I'm looking at it on our show sheet, right? right. We, we talked about this yeah. in the, in the show production, the pre-show meeting, meeting yeah. pre-show meeting. Which is 
This usually consists of the first beer and uh, writing the show sheet up. Yeah. <laughs> right before we do it. <laughs> a lot of prep work. We uh, do it for you guys. We do it for the listeners. Though. Yeah. So, all right. So, who got eliminated? All right, let's just go. All right. So, I predicted that it was going to be Casey Kane, Austin Dillon, Ryan Newman, and Ricky Stenhouse. Ooh. So, I was close. I was one off. I was also just one driver Yeah. Off. You had Kane, Dillon... Kurt Busch and Jamie Mack. So, uh, Jamie Mack made it in because Jamie Mack from the first corner of the first lap showed up to race. He went to the outside on the first corner and made passes. He was, he wasn't getting eliminated and went when I saw that, I was like, oof, bad prediction. Yeah. Just, I could just two Chip Ganassi cars making it through that first round. I mean, Kyle Larson is I prediction was for my final four. Yeah. I just didn't think... I thought that one car was going to have some trouble. Just kind of felt like the type of trouble that I've seen Jamie Mack have in the past. But that car was fast. He made some great moves. He made it in. Kurt Busch, though, I said, was eliminated. And he got caught in those first round of pit stops and kind of fell back with Austin Dillon. They found themselves eliminated. Yeah. Unlike... Unlike... Ricky Stenhouse Jr., now, so... Who benefited from that first round of pit stops. Yeah. And then, thought, like, so I, what I was telling Matt before, the, before we started the show was that uh, I thought this whole race was a snooze fest. Um, and really, the entire race, they were just tracking uh, Stenhouse and Newman, I think it was. The two of them were, like, kind of on that bubble and mm-hmm. it was literally they just were. the entire race. It was talking about them, and it was either uh, Truex, Kyle Busch, Larson, or Chase Elliott. All four of them led pretty huge chunks of the race at times, uh, but it always just came down to who was on that bubble. It sucked me into it as well, because while I was watching the race at home, I had race view open, and I just kept bouncing back between Stenhouse and Ryan Newman. Yeah, listening to their spotter communications, and those guys—they were the teams were into it. They're monitoring the, the points, and they're figuring out where they are on the racetrack. Which is why I was completely surprised. Fast forward to the end of the race, when Danica Patrick didn't give up that position to Stenhouse. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought for sure that was <laughs> going to happen, and uh, Ryan Newman didn't eventually gain the, the the amount of points that he needed that Stenhouse gained predominantly by staying out longer than everybody else when Jeffrey Earnhardt crashed in stage one. Yeah. And he was able to then pit while those guys were a lap down, and he got all those stage points. Yeah. That was the difference. Yeah. And Newman did a really good job of blocking, especially in those last couple of laps when Bush was just reeling in Elliott. And it was literally just like the last two laps they had like the ticker, and it was Newman who was about to go lap down, and then like Elliot and Bush. They were all just single file right there, and you that was s- the most exciting part of the race. It was. It was the most exciting part of the race. It was an epic finish to a cut off race in the playoffs in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. It was. If you were there, like some of these guys in the league were, they were lucky to be at that race. I thought it was a good race. And even those parts of the race that you call snoozing, I have to disagree because Dover, those drivers can't snooze for a moment at that racetrack. 
They have throttle control. The back ends are all over. If you're tight, that wall's going to suck you into it. There's not a second that a driver could take a moment off from fighting that that race car. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying anything about the, the physicalness of driving the track, but just from TV, the TV perspective, it just looked like they were out there logging their laps, trying to get their points, but not any good particular battles or anything happening throughout the race. I saw some great battles. And if you really watch the race view app and scan through, what I like to do is sometimes click on the leader and then I'll just go because you can use a little thing ticker on the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a column that shows the cars and it will bounce you around to that driver's position on the racetrack. Or you, if you see that car going around the track, you could touch it on the touch screen and it will bring up that driver's telemetry and information. And sometimes what I like to do is just watch the leader and then just go backwards through the field mm-hmm. and like you'll see the next driver. So then that's a benefit and of that, that app that, that, the, well, so that maybe, the TV broadcast isn't getting. Maybe the TV broadcast need to broadcast the race banners and make it a little more exciting. And they're concentrating on this points battle, but maybe we need to bring up some lap times more frequently and show split times between drivers because Jimmy Johnson was making huge gains. Jimmy Johnson was coming that yeah. entire racetrack, passing cars one stage after the other. And there, there were guys that made moves on the racetrack, but then stage one ends. And then what happens? Everyone dies into pit lane. Somebody gets the free pass. You take the wave around. And now more guys are back on the lead lap. Yeah. And you've made changes and adjustments to your car. I think stage two maybe had one yellow for fluid on the track. And then... Guys pit, they make changes to the car. It's just if you're just running up front, I feel like the stages just give you that opportunity to just keep making changes to your car and keeping your car better. Whereas without a stage, you start to panic. Yeah. Especially at a track like Dover. If your car's not handling, if you're tight coming out of the corner and you're and you're getting sucked into that wall and you you might bounce off that wall, bounce off the bottom, there's no room on that racetrack. You're going to start panicking about where you are on the racetrack. But as long as you are, you know that you won't lose too much ground to lose a lap before the next stage ends, you don't have that type of panic. And I like to see that type of panic from race car drivers because that's when they make mistakes and when it gets a little exciting. Yeah. So you know who had a good week for once? It was Dale Jr., you want to talk about Dale Jr.'s sixth place finish? Is that, is that where he brought yeah. it home? Yeah, that's where I want to go to because he's had a terrible season and uh, a terrible last couple of races. And he was actually, you know, he wasn't really in it, you know, because he's obviously not in the playoffs, but they were talking about him. They had him on TV, you know, talking about him a lot just because he happened to be running well. Well, that's that what day. happens when you run in, in the front. The guys on TV talk about you. Yeah. And if he's going to run in sixth place, fifth place, you're going to get talked about. Yeah. One of the things they did talk about, however, was the fact that the way his car was handling was good for lap times and keeping him up front, but he had no passing speed. Steve yeah. Letarte made that comment how the car was going through the corners, 
but he couldn't get off the corner very well. Good in the center of the corner. It was turning okay, but he wasn't getting the drive off the corner. And watching that onboard telemetry with these guys at Dover, they really kind of just really worked the throttle. Yeah. And they don't know if they really hit the brakes, but they just kind of let off, and you kind of got to hit that point where you just keep the speed up and keep the RPMs going, and then once you're you're coming off the corner and you get that straight shot, you get your car straight and pointed straight, just they just flat it flat it out right to the right to, uh, with the pedal to the metal. Yeah, couldn't spit that one out, <laughs> and they take off, and then there's multiple lines to run. And, I mean, maybe if Chase Elliott would have explored those multiple lines, perhaps he could have made it around Ryan Newman at the end of the race. Maybe. Um, have to, <laughs> I've been seeing all these things on Facebook and all this other stuff. It's mostly, like, stats about how uh, Bill Elliott got however many second-place finishes before he got his first win, and Chase Elliott is, like, almost matched the amount of second-place finishes... You Bill know, had like, before he got yeah, his first win. Yeah, I saw so that like, stat come up on TV. Yeah, and then they were talking about, you know, everyone saying, "Do you want to see Chase Elliott win his first race in the twenty-four or in the nine? Like, who really cares? Like, I don't whatever. really think that's such a big deal. But now that you brought it up, is the twenty-four team like Alan Gustafin, Gustafson, crew chief, and all those guys? They're going to be the nine team now. No teams stay the same. They're just switching numbers. So, basically, you're saying is next year Chase Elliott is going to have a new crew chief and an entirely new crew? No. Teams stay the same. Oh, sorry. Teams stay... Well, see, I associate the team with, like, the car, the team. Like, I actually, we've talked about it in the past, would like to see maybe a team championship, rather, especially now with playoffs, rather than a driver championship, where... During a season, you might want to have another driver race at a certain track and have multiple drivers behind the wheel during a season. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I think it would be. But going back to the end of the race, Chase Elliott was taken to school by Ryan (laughs) Newman and then by Kyle Busch running that high line and made the pass. I saw Kyle Busch coming, and I said this was not going to be good. He, He had him. And I don't know what Chase Elliott was doing, just following Ryan Newman. Ryan Newman was not going fast enough. But fast enough to keep him behind him. I don't know. Jeff Gordon was happy about it. I don't think Jeff Gordon was happy about <laughs> it at all. Well, I don't know. Depends on which, which side of this story you're on then. Right, because... What did he say to him? He said something completely ridiculous. It was like, Jeff, oh, I didn't mean that at all. Yeah, Jeff Gordon goes up to Newman and says, like, thanks for the help or something, right? Yeah, thanks for the help. Yeah. And New- <laughs> Newman's like, for what? And then, okay, let's just let's bring it up. You got the and, transcript? I'll, yeah, let me just click over. And, and Gordon goes, what was happening with the leaders, man? Newman goes... You don't think I was racing for my own position? Which he was. Yeah. He was, and it was plenty of time for him to race for his own position. Gordon then says, I didn't say you weren't. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just watch what you say, man. Newman's getting all tough. Yeah. Jeff Gordon, I said thanks for the help. You said it as a smartass. No, I didn't. You took it that way. <laughs> I'm going to call the bullshit on Jeff Gordon here. He was a little pissed. Yeah, with what happened, and rightfully so. Chase Elliott 
for whatever reason, could not get around Ryan Newman, who has the reputation as being the toughest guy to pass in the Cup Series. Yeah. Whatever. They made up, like, two seconds later. There was video of them, like, hugging it out and stuff, so... I mean... But what's... I mean... Newman's out. Doesn't matter. Newman's out, you know? Newman's out, but I... I debated some people heavily about this topic this past week because people were really ticked off that Ryan Newman was blocking Chase Elliott, but he was a lead lap car. They're like, he threw him the blue flag. Who cares? He's a lead lap car. And there's plenty of time left. The yellow flag comes out. He comes back around. They make a pit stop. Ryan Newman hangs it around the outside, passes a couple of cars, and boom, he's in the next round of the playoffs. Exactly. Anything can happen. And And it's it's just, it's the same way that everyone complained about, uh, Stenhouse bumping Bush, you know, in that, in that, the end of that stage, that Martinsville race way back when. Yeah. You know, that's what, that's what racing is. You want to keep, Newman was about to go lap down. He was trying to race for his position. That's it. Pass me. Yeah. I'm a lead lap car. Pass me. Yeah. And Kyle Bush proved it. The car could be passed because right after he <laughs> swallowed up uh, Chase Elliott, yeah. he just went right past Ryan Newman as well. So yeah. that car was able to be passed. I don't know what Chase Elliott, that was a choke job at the end of that race. Yeah. And, I mean, he's had a lot of second place finishes now. Hopefully he breaks through and can start getting some wins. Yep. Uh, but Jeff Gordon... Is a part of that twenty four team. So is he as he's sort of a mentor to Chase Elliott? Was is he going to mentor William Byron now on the twenty four team? Is Chase Elliott? I, I'm sorry. Is Jeff Gordon a twenty four team mentor or is he a Chase Elliott mentor? Now I think at this point he's gonna be a William Byron mentor because okay. William Byron's now going to be running the twenty four. So, so one of the popular topics that people have been getting into. Lately, is that Jeff Gordon was on the pit box last two, uh, last weekend, and that was a, I think a surprise to some people. See him right there in pit lane with the headset and everything. Like he's working with that twenty four team. Yeah, he has ownership stake in the forty eight car, and he's in the booth with Fox in the beginning of the season. So, like, where does this guy's position lie within the sport? Is it appropriate for him to have all these positions? I think so. Why? You don't think because they said that people have a vested business interest, and will he accurately represent somebody else's position, or is he going to have a biased position up in the broadcast booth? Oh, he's definitely going to have a biased position in the broadcast booth. I mean, Junior is probably going to be the same way when he's up there. He'll be talking about. I'm sure he'll be talking about the '88 a lot and his experience and what Alex Bowman's doing. But I think it's fine for Gordon to be on the pit box for the 24 team. I mean, just because he's retired and isn't racing doesn't mean that he's not a part of Hendrick Motorsports anymore. Like you said, he still has ownership in the 48. Uh, he should be there. Like, he, he wants to be there. I Why agree not? with you, actually. I think guys like Jeff Gordon... As much as I did not like him as a driver, and it kind of still annoys me at certain points. He's he's been good in the booth, and I understand, I recognize his bias. And I think in this sport, 
you can't find a guy that doesn't have a bias because you can't have you can't find a guy that you want to hear from that isn't involved in the sport. <clears throat> and I think that guys like Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt Jr. sell the sport like the drivers and broadcasters that came before them. And also, the fans need to do the same thing. The fans need to be supportive and get on board with uh, being supportive race fans also. Yeah. It's, everyone is, invo- everyone is involved. Mm-hmm. And it's great to see guys like Ryan Blaney on Saturday's Xfinity race go up into the crowd and give the checkered flag to a young fan. Yeah. And he was even wearing a Kyle Larson hat. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny. Uh, but apparently this kid was like jumping up and down and like waving his arms. So I think you can be a fan of multiple drivers. I mean, I definitely am. So just because you're wear just cause with this kid's wearing the, uh, Kyle Larson hat doesn't mean that he was probably also rooting for Blaney. Sure. At some point. That's the great part about racing because how many, when we go to Riverhead Raceway, we always pick all the drivers to win a future event. You know, you yeah. know, one or two guys. Yeah. We always pick one, two, and maybe a dark horse. So if one guy is not getting it, then maybe the other guy is going to jump in there. And it's the same thing. If Taylor Hart Jr. is having a tough race like he is on most races this season, yeah. I'm watching and I'm pulling for other guys. I root for other drivers, and that's how your fandom starts. And that kid is going to have that flag forever. Yeah, that's and awesome. I mean, if that kid's if he if Ryan Blaney didn't steal a fan away from Kyle Larson with that move, I don't yeah. know what you got to do. <laughs> I mean, I went and I became a fan when Kyle Petty picked me up, put me on a table, took a picture with me <laughs> at the mall across the street from Daytona International. Yeah, that's how I became a fan. That's cool. What like what what was it? Do you remember the moment where like you became like a race fan or like you really were like a fan of a driver? I think the like my earliest memory of becoming a racing fan was not even nothing to do with the cup series or any of like the premier series, uh, but was just being at Riverhead and seeing the 20 car of Bill Park going around, you know, and the modifieds. Cool. Like that is what got me into ra- I mean, my dad was taking me to that track by, by the time I was like a month old, but <laughs> yeah. So just like, I was, I was more of a fan of the local short track stuff. Like even before, you know, I really like watched the, the cup series and stuff, but I had like videos of, I had like a greatest moments of stock car racing and it was all like NASCAR, like I remember that video stuff. that you had. Yeah. And like, I would just watch that on repeat and like, that's what was like my, my cup fandom of like getting into like Richard Petty and stuff like that. And then at Riverhead, when you're a little kid, you get to go back into the pit area, see the car, sit in it maybe. Oh yeah. Yeah. I sat in Bill Park's car a lot. A lot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. That's, that's, that's a great way to become a fan. I remember all those days also being back at the racetrack, but it was, I don't know. And then that's how I became a Kyle Petty fan. Lots of seasons of like, I watched a lot of seasons for just a few wins. Yeah. <laughs> but there were a few great wins. There was a great win. I'll never forget when he raced a 44 Hot Wheels car at Dover. Yeah. That, was a, that was some Sunday, man. <laughs> I was jumping up and down. Kyle yeah. Petty, a dominating performance yeah. at that race that night, that afternoon. That was, that was a great one. But 
people need to remember that racing, it's it's a fa- it, it was always a family sport for all the criticism the drivers get, uh, second generation, third generation drivers for all the criticism they get. It's a, it always was a family sport, and even being a fan, you felt like you were part of the racing family though, yeah. and that's because there's not many of. Them. Like it's only when you meet a racing fan, you you almost like kind of get an immediate bond. Like, are you yeah. like racing? <laughs> you like racing too? Nobody likes racing. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean you like racing? Yeah. Uh, so that's yeah, man. Let's go. Let's yeah. move on. Right. Let's move on. on. Let's change. Let's go to news. New NASCAR news. 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 In other news. <laughs> Uh, so NASCAR announced their 2018 rules package. Not that much different than what they have going on right now. NASCAR um, and their rules, man. Yeah. NASCAR is always changing the rules, man. <laughs> if they just keep the rules the same for one season, man. I think you smoked yourself stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that clip came up in a conversation the other day. Did it? It was, Yeah. Um, All right, so I'm looking at the 2018 rules package right here. Uh, Like I said, not that much different. Um, The main thing, it seems like they're going to a common radiator and oil oil cooler and a common splitter. Um, I guess this is, from what I read in this NASCAR article, the the plate tracks always had sort of a different arrow package than the rest of the mile and a half and the short tracks. And it seems like they're trying to bring the rules package together so that it's a uniform thing for all 36 races. Wow. Because they always said that the plate tracks needed their own rules package. That's what dictates like how the plate racing. Yeah. So it'll be developed. interesting to see how this all like works out. I mean, the, the spoilers staying the same size, height, length, all that other stuff. Um, but there's like some new, uh, I guess they're getting some new electronic data like real-time stuff there's going to be this like high-speed in-car safety camera so an in-car safety camera what does that do something about like what they have right now they can they can get data from like wrecks but only from the time of the wreck so now with like all this new like technology that they're putting into the car it um it's gonna record constantly so they can see what's gonna happen before the wreck actually like go back and see what happened before the wreck. Whoa. So I guess it's kinda like a black box on a, like an airplane, like that was just like, you know, constantly recording everything. I guess that's kinda like what they're putting into the race car. Right. So they're gonna get Joey Logano's last words as he's coming out of turn <laughs> four. And he's like, hey, she's like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> boom. Yeah. Something along those lines. Next we hear from him. The yeah. car was handling good. I don't know what happened. It just stepped out. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, even the, the, the downforce, it seems like they're getting like 50 pounds more downforce than they had last year. Uh, but for the most part, not that much of a, of a rules change. Um, I think they're going to wait a couple of years to see how things play out. Now that they, uh, Chevy is going to be racing the Camaro next year, um, and obviously Toyota has their, their 2018 Camry on track. Now I think they kind of want to see where the teams kind of wind up until you know, they change the bodies wise. again, yeah. which next gen two car. Yeah. So Hendrick actually unveiled their 2018 cars. 
this did they? Tonight. I did not even see that. Yeah, uh, they had it on Facebook Live, and they had all four cars out, and they look cool. You like the way they look? Yeah, new paint schemes. Obviously, they're the Camaros, um, and we talked, you know, earlier that the the number changed on the nine and the twenty four, and actually the twenty four they're going back to the flames on the Exalta. Uh, cool thing. So I thought that was a cool great. paint scheme. I yeah. liked it. Is William Byron the real deal? We'll see. When they show up to Daytona. Rookie campaigns could be tough in yeah. the Cup Series. Everything changes when you get to the Cup Series. Yeah, but series. now there's going to be so many young kids in, in Cup. I feel like it's just going to be, you know... I mean, you'll have a few of those older guys. You know but... what? You're, you're right. There are a lot of young drivers in the Cup Series right now, but those young drivers are now... Got some series on uh, seasons under their belt. Kyle Larson is in his fourth season. Oh. Chase Elliott now. Yeah, I mean he's got two seasons. Ryan Blaney's going over to Penske next year. Like when they're uh, you know the Penske stable cars. Yeah, like that's I think it's great. I'm yeah. but you're not going to have well season. depending on where like Matt Kenseth like like lands. Like you're not going to have those older guys in the series. Like. I can see like William Byron doing better than Austin Dillon or Ty Dillon. Matt Kenseth is not in the series next season. So what? <laughs> so what? That's what I'm saying. It's crazy saying this because how does he not have the ride in the 20 after that season that he had when he came over to the team? Because they want the young guys in. Yeah. So it's going to be all young guys. That's what I'm saying. Like even. So, okay, like I just said, like Austin Dillon, Ty Dillon, do you think those guys will run better having the younger guys in? Like, you know what I'm saying? Perhaps. You know, or do they run just as crappy? <laughs> What's Ty Dillon's plans for next year? Is He's still in the, the 13. He's going to be in the 13? Because yeah. they need Paul Menard going over to the 21, 21 car, yeah. Wood Brothers Racing. That's the third children's, children's car. car. Yeah. Ty Dillon in the 13 car, the Jermaine Racing. Yeah. That's who it is. That, uh, that's an alliance car with Chil- uh, Childress. Yeah, I think so. So does he come over into a stable car, or is he still staying at 13? Maybe maybe in like a year or two, if, if, uh, if some of this money stuff that Denny Hamlin is talking about, you know, works out. So Denny Hamlin basically wants the revenue sharing to be a little more fair, fairer uh, to the drivers because right now, actually, all right, so I looked at some of the numbers. Right now with the revenue sharing, the tracks get 65% of the money and then the teams get like 30 or something. I don't know. And then like NASCAR and the drivers wind up with like 10% or like, so why like, so basically it's like Bruton Smith and, and, uh, the Francis, they're just making money off their tracks, you know? So they're not even really getting, they bring the series to the track. They take the money from the grandstands, the concessions, and there must be some, man, I don't even know. I don't want to say anything sound completely misinformed, but now that I'm thinking about it, it's does the track just get admissions, concessions 
from the fans. And no, it's like the they're race. getting TV money. They're getting TV money. They're yeah. all, everyone's in. Everyone's got a hand in the deal. Yeah. The same way that like the NFL and like the other major sports have revenue sharing with the TV stuff, but it's like the tracks are getting the majority right. of the TV it's, money. It's like the stadium doesn't get any money. No, but the teams get the money. Right. But the teams are like they're chartered now, so the teams are you know, the New York Giants and New York Jets. They're like the number eighteen car, the number nineteen car. Yeah. So that team, the team's getting the money. Yeah. But like with the with the ISC tracks, like they're that's the Frances, and they also own NASCAR. So the Frances are getting, <laughs> yeah, it's the same people. Yeah, well, that's why we don't see real expansion into other racetracks. And I mean, how many just independently owned racetracks are there? Martinsville, Pocono. Oof, I don't even want to go down that Dover, road. Right now. Dover, I think. Dover, I think. Yeah, everything I, else is ISC or. Uh, SMI. Right. So, and it's, it's, they got it set up for them to make some money. And yeah. I mean, listen, they make money, they put on races. People watch races, yeah. they keep putting on races. Yeah. So basically, Denny Hamlin wants the drivers to get like NFL and NBA money. Uh, but also, he's saying that if, if they were to like switch up the revenue sharing, the teams wouldn't have to rely so much on sponsorship. So that way that would maybe make racing better or, you know, have a positive effect on the sport. Wow. That could be, listen, that's a huge thing for racing. A form of racing where you don't have to rely on sponsorship? No, you don't have to rely on sponsorship money. Like, you'll still have the sponsor. Right, you still want to sponsor the team. Yeah. But, because right now, there are some teams that cannot operate without the sponsor. Yeah. They have, the way some of these teams work right now, and the way this, this is set up is, I have the facility, I can build the cars, I can get the engines, I have the personnel... To service the car, we can bring the car to the racetrack. We can get that car to the racetrack, on the racetrack, bring it back, and ready for the next race. We yeah. have those means. We just need a driver and a sponsor. If they had some sort of system set up where the teams got money, where they could at least field the team with the car on every race... Without sponsor money, that's a that's a huge plus. Either right? without sponsor money, or you could bring in more sponsors because sponsors. That's the big reason that you don't see a, that all these sponsors dropping off in NASCAR is because they don't want to spend the money for a full season sponsorship, or they're only doing like a, a couple of races throughout the season. But if there was if there was more money shifted around, then the sponsor could be like, then they could have more sponsors come in. Not spending as much money, but still getting the uh, the exposure, the exposure, and, the, that's the word I'm air, for. and all the the airtime, yeah, of being on a car for an entire season, yeah. It's something I think worth exploring. However, whoever just decides to give up more money, well, now that there's this driver council, it seems like NASCAR is kind of moving more towards the other stick and ball sports where there's. I'm not going to use the U word, but <laughs> union. 
I, I, oh, okay. <laughs> Listen, you know who you're talking to. I know where you're going with that. But yeah. essentially, that's like what they are. They're, they've gotten together. and But they have a real unique way of who they uh, kind of elect to represent them. Mm-hmm. I don't know the specifics, but you could find yourself like on and off the council at like certain races and things like that. But yeah. I guess that's a good thing to give some sort of representation, but basically like our guys in our waiver rounders league, like they get like a rotating basis on this council. You know? Yeah. They're not really on it, but they get to sit in sometimes. Yeah. Because those teams have a say too. Yeah. Look at Furniture Row, like where they are now. Who would have thought, you know, years ago that you'd see Martin Truex behind the wheel of a Furniture Row car making a legitimate bid to be the NASCAR champion. Yeah. Exciting. It's exciting stuff. It is exciting stuff. Uh, let's move on to some other stuff. Uh, some more sad news. I mean, you, you, you know, we're talking about some uh, issues going on in the world earlier in the show. Uh, and a couple of weeks ago, you know, we lost uh, Ted Christopher uh you know in, in an untimely death um and uh now we've had another passing in the NASCAR community uh with Robert Yates Hall of Famer yeah um Robert Yates what a team because it, strangely enough even though I wasn't a Davey Allison fan mm-hmm. My dad was. My dad was an Alabama gang fan. He was yeah. a big Bobby Allison fan. And when Davey came along, it was a big deal. And dad liked Davey from his ASA days and knew he was coming along and was kind of waiting. Yeah. So in that 87 Daytona 500, which is kind of like the first one that I really remember watching. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I really remember watching it live, but I know that we had it taped on the VHS recorder. <laughs> And I would rewatch and rewatch and rewatch Daytona 500s. Yeah, I mean that was what got me. And that eighty-seven, uh, that eighty-seven 500, he comes out and sits on the pole, which is why I kind of you know laugh out the side of my mouth sometimes when like people would talk about how oh Chase Elliott you know he's on the pole, Danica Patrick gets the pole. There's just something about the Daytona 500 yeah. where somebody. Managed to grab that front row. They had this, and there's just, it's, there's something magical about it. Like somebody showing up at that racetrack and finding themselves on the pole position. Yeah. And he did. And then he had a little accident in practice, and they documented it well during the broadcast of the race. And they were painting the car. I'll never forget that scene of them painting the car <laughs> at 4 a.m. in the morning before the Daytona 500. Yeah. And then he ended up having issues and had to fall behind, go behind the wall. But then he came back out, and he was fast. And he was running up front, but he was laps, laps, laps and laps down. Yeah. And then he, the, the 88 500 mm-hmm. was memorable because that was where he finished second to Bobby Allison. Yeah. And then, so Dad was a big... Davey Allison fan, and so, and I always never forget like Robert Yates, Robert Yates, Yates. You know, I'll never forget him in the pit stall, and 
for some reason, I, I, I was always, they, I feel like maybe they interviewed the crew chiefs more back then, mm. but I just feel like I knew more of the crew chiefs then, and I always wanted to hear that guy pull the, the uh, you know, the, the, the headphone, headphone to the off. side and be yeah. like, I'm trying to hear you, Ned, because <laughs> there's always Ned Jarrett down yeah. in the pits tr- talking to these guys, yeah. and sadly, after Davey died, it's just... It was just tough times ahead for Robert Yates Racing, and Ernie Irvin filled in, and then Ernie had his terrible accident, and he yeah. was injured, and and then it went to Dale Jarrett, and Dale Jarrett got behind the wheel, and he was the the the, uh, the keynote driver for Robert Yates Racing, and yeah. I feel like there was no better guy mm. to kind of take those reins than him, yeah. and. Uh, he was just great for their team, and he was able to get a couple of Daytona 500 wins. Mm-hmm. Oh, he had the one Daytona 500 win, 88 in 2000. He won the NASCAR championship. And, I mean, those are great times for Robert Yates Racing. And then, I don't, I don't know. I really, some of that time, like, after college, like, when I was over <laughs> there, I kind of, like, was out of racing, like, a yeah. little bit. I mean, I was always following it. And that's kind of when the Robert Yates team kind of moved away and things like that. Uh, but forever, forever, that team is like one of the founding teams for my fandom in racing. That yeah. 28 car Texaco Havilland machine, the 88 Ford Quality Parts, that car, those teams, oh, like that was it, man. Yeah. It's just a weird time, like just a weird time to be alive that like all these great people just seem to be dying like tom petty you know just passed away the other day it's just it's weird 2016 was a tough year yeah i guess you're just getting older man yeah we're getting older obviously they're getting older and it's i don't know it's just it's rough man just losing all these people but uh but we still have some of you know the people that are nearest and dearest to us yep and in light of everything that is going on, you have to sit back and put things in perspective and just think about what you're grateful for. Yep. And in the racing world, you're grateful that a guy like Robert Yates, you know, took that chance and went out and put that car in the field. In the, in the field. And as a fan, you just have to appreciate the hard work that the men and women in the shops and in the teams do to put that product on the, on the racetrack. And that's where I feel like fans are kind of spoiled and, and selfish. Yeah. Uh, they don't like it. All, but there's a lot of work that goes into this. And listen, not every race is great. This was an epic finish. The baseball season just ended. And I've made this uh, comparison before. There's uh, so many games. They're not all going to be great. Not every race is going to be great. But we're going to catch an epic race yeah. every now and again like we did Last weekend. Yeah. Last weekend at Dover, also, we saw a conclusion to another racing series, and Harrison Burton took the K&N East Series Championship. Yeah, congratulations to him. Uh, that was that was big. And then, man, you kind of got me with this one over here at the bottom of the news portion of the sheet. Yeah. F1 is going to be on ESPN next year? Yeah, so their contract's up with NBC, and next year they'll be on ESPN and uh god damn it okay <laughs> which is like that kind of sucks for me 
Because I have the Sling TV that has NBC Sports and not ESPN. Yeah. See, I don't understand why. Like, they're making a, a big deal out of this. Not a big deal. But, like, so I guess when F1 first came on the air in, like, the 60s in America, it was on ABC. So now they're kind of, like, going back to the ABC ESPN network. So uh, they'll have... Okay. Like, they'll have uh, the, um, the Grand Prix, the American Grand Prix on ABC... They'll have Monaco on on ABC before the Indy 500, and then after the Indy 500, they'll re-air Monaco on ABC. Uh, but I just don't I just don't think this is like that great of a move for F1 because people complain about NASCAR being on ESPN when it was on ESPN. So what are they going to say? Like, are people going to be psyched that? F1's going to be taking up so much time when they well, could be watching the 20th hour of SportsCenter or something, you know, like... No, but F1 is a worldwide sport, and ESPN certainly needs a little injection of viewership or some sort of excitement behind their channel, and perhaps F1 could be just that. Yeah. I mean, when they're talking about basketball, like, 24-7 on SportsCenter... Like what is F one gonna have? Like wow. what's F one gonna and bring to the table? Sports Center used to be the shit. Yeah, and when like you'd hang out and like I go home and go on a couple of dates and the chick would be like go home watch Sports Center and be like we can hang out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but like Sports Center like has like no meaning. It's I, terrible it's now. Terrible. And like because there's like hours and hours of Sports Center with just these rotating hosts that you have no idea who these people are. It's not it's the just, same. It was it was a thing back then, but ESPN has a big place in motorsports coverage. Speed World, Bob Jenkins. Yeah, and I mean, I thought Bob Jenkins was one of the best. It was great to have him back for the Indy Five Hundred. He did uh, just a little guest thing for that yeah. race, and he was fantastic as I expected him to be. So. ESPN wants to get back in, and listen, they have, they have to do a good job, though, because I'm into the F1 season, and uh, there's yeah. only a few races left coming up, and, uh, well, looking ahead to this weekend, I'm going to have yeah. my DVR set for the Suzuka Circuit Japanese Grand Prix. Yeah. Uh, don't forget to check out Petit Le Mans, the final race of the WeatherTech Sports Car Series. Okay. Um... And I think that's for it for this weekend. There's no MotoGP race. Uh, but then, of course, we have the first race of the next partial the round of 12. Next, the round of 12. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. The round of 12. Yeah. So, oh, well, first of all, did you watch Riverhead? Anything from Riverhead this weekend? Okay. Sticking on the local side? No, I did not. Did you no. watch anything? Yeah. All right, and that was their final weekend. week. So I don't even know who won, who, what. What champions are in? Yeah, the neither division. do I. Like, so no uh, spoilers. Go over to the Pitstop Pitbull website and watch the races. Watch the races and find out who took yeah. the track I don't know if the website updated the points for champions and stuff yet. So I haven't. Even I checked it yet, out. So. It didn't seem like they did. So I don't, don't go look right now. I said no spoilers. Yeah, you're looking. You're I'm touching looking. the computer. I'm not looking. I'm going to Charlotte. Okay, right, so you're Charlotte. moving on to Charlotte Speedway. Okay. Let's do our predictions. Like, so we're predicting who's going to be on the poll, who's going to win, and if there's going to be something crazy or some sort of event that's going to happen. I like to compare it to the drawing of the event card in the Thunder Alley 
racing board game. Yes. Which that, I have not played yet, but we will apparently we don't want day. to play that game with me. I do want to play it. It just, doesn't seem like you do, though. I was just, I have so many things going on. Yeah. And <laughs> when I'm like, hey, you want to play this board game? It's like, you can't, be, you can't fit in four hours to play a board game. <laughs> I can't even fit in an hour to do a podcast. I know, right? But here we are, and... This is like the awesomest hour of the week, man. Yeah. We talk <laughs> racing and we're doing a show for our friends and our fans. Yeah. And they want to hear about what you and I have to say about what so we what think you, is going to so happen So what do you have to say about Charlotte? Martin Truex Jr. is going to win this race on Sunday. Okay. Because it's a mile and a half. They are on a championship mission. And I think that they're just going to win this race, stamp their... Ticket to the next round. And I think that we're also going to see Kyle Busch on the pole this weekend. Okay. Which will also make us see a bunch of fans cry the blues on the internet. About, what is the 18 car and the 78 car? It's all they do. They just win every They're just at the front of every race. Well, you know <laughs> what? They're doing really well right now. Yeah. What do you want? And Kyle Larson is hanging on to, to that group also. And my fourth driver for the final four was Brad Keselowski, but the guy's got to step it up a little bit. I hate to say it, but Jimmy Johnson, it's just, I mean, I predicted Brad Keselowski, but that could easily be the number 48 car in the final four also. Yeah. So what do you think is going to happen in this race? Well, race, so race prediction, I think... I think that when Martin Truex Jr. wins this race, yeah, he's gonna go drive down the front straightaway. He's gonna do his burnout and just burn it down and blow out those tires to hide whatever the heck it is <laughs> that that '78 car is doing to be in first place every week. All right, that's pretty good. Um, I'm gonna go with Martin Truex Jr. being on the pole. Oh, okay. Um, but as far as the winner, fast car nonetheless. Yeah. And the winner? And the winner is going to be Jimmy Johnson. Wow. I think the momentum from Dover carries over. carry over, and he'll get that win at Charlotte. Um, but as far as just like a race prediction, this is going to be the first race of the round of 12. I thought the, the Dover race was kind of a snooze fest. I, I see Charlotte being very similar and just kind of guys logging laps. And just playing it safe, so so really safe race, safe race. Yeah, I don't nothing nothing major is going to happen. So kind of like a lot of the past Charlotte races. Yeah, poor old Charlotte Speedway, man. Yeah. It's going to have to be a roval. This race will be a roval next year. Yep. And just in time for this week's race, they announced that they're adding a, a bus stop chicane into the backstretch for their roval next year. So cool. Well, you would think, man, that Charlotte, one of the oldest tracks on the, the circuit, man, they narrow racetrack, fast, but they're just... They're it's aer- too much speed in these too cars. too much speed, right? Yeah. But if you say slow them down, you're like a, a wussy boy that wants slower race cars. No, I do want slower race cars because I want them to break more in the turns and actually have to handle these cars and not just... Because... What I noticed in this last race, 
basically throughout the entire season, but mostly in Nover, uh, they just keep saying momentum. Oh, he got the momentum. You know, he was in the corner and he got the momentum and it just got him off the... And they just keep... I mean, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jeff Burton. That's his favorite word. Momentum, momentum. <sighs> Even Jeff Gordon, too. Must be something in the Jeffs. But <laughs> <laughs> they just love that word, momentum, and they just will not shut up about momentum. Well, it's everything in racing because you got to handle, you got to get through the corner, but the guy who gets to the gas first and gets that momentum off the it's corner. It's not even just about the gas. It's just that these guys can just coast, that they can just like go through the corners without really even breaking that much. It's just rolling through the corner and getting momentum I'm trying and being to remember, on the high side. At Dover, were, these, were, were they like leaning on the brake? I mean, I, I didn't see anybody touch the brake. At Dover this weekend. They let off, feathered yeah. the throttle through the center of the corner. Uh, I mean, great throttle control, though. I mean, it's an art what these guys are doing with yeah. the throttle to get the car to turn. And, you know, just that timing, that sense that race car drivers have that the car is at the right position to just put the pedal to the metal and yeah. take off down the track, uh, down the stretch and make the ponies work for you, you know? Yeah. Is that a show, Dan? I think that's the show. That's the show? That's it. I had fun today. Did you have fun, Dan? I did. Okay. Well, that's all that matters, okay, (laughs) is that you had fun playing the game and doing the show. Yeah. All right. Well, look forward to all the racing at Charlotte this weekend. It's the first race of the round of 12. We'll be back next weekend to recap everything. On the Debris and Turn 3 Fancast, my name is Matt. My name is Dan. See ya. Adios.